am so happy that you are doing my podcast, which is called This Old Thing. Pandora is a brilliant writer, podcaster, broadcaster, and generally has her finger just on the pulse. Lovely to have you on. Um, just to tell you about this old thing. This old thing, I suppose it's a bit of a soft out deprecating kind of um, knowing name. And it's about that thing when someone says to you, where did you get that? I love it. And you go, what, this old thing? And you kind of got it from a charity <laughs> shop years ago. So I guess it's to do with that kind of the find and the joy of the find and holding on to that find. Which leads me on to another thing about those finds is also this, the, the real kind of not the subtext, but I suppose this podcast that I want to do is also about sustainability mm-hmm. um, in the sense that it's very much, you know, we know how bad the fashion world, what a pollutant it is and the chemicals that are used and all of that stuff. But this podcast isn't about that. It's about the joy of secondhand and it's about celebrating that. And so I just want to really bring some of the things that I think about with clothes and my relationship with clothes and I wanted to ask you some things about that which clothes would you never chuck out that you own I would never chuck out and it's interesting because when you ask me that I feel like my answer should be something really expensive you know you always think it should be the most expensive thing in your wardrobe but it would probably be a pair of Topshop jeans that I got I think eight or nine years ago I think nine years ago because I knew I had them before I met my husband and Topshop do really good jeans I've got two pairs that are from my other pair I've had since I was at university which was a long time ago now Uh, so it would be a pair of Topshop jeans which are high-waisted skinny jeans because the day has come where skinny jeans are I mean not that it really matters if they're in fashion or not but we're seeing all jeans now so it'd be a pair of Topshop jeans and a Gucci wool blazer that I got from Portobello for 50 quid which is just the best blazer ever and probably my best portobello find so basically two real classic items which outfit from your teens pretty much sums up that time for you what do you think that outfit says about you and what were you trying to express about yourself at that time you know i think it's funny like i think about my sister when she was a teenager and i see her and it was a shaved head wearing an echo and the bunny men kind of huge t-shirt and kind of very quite really quite punky and what she was trying to say was like you know, total rebel. I'm not sure what my image is of myself, but do you have an image, a picture in your mind of of yourself as a teen that really sums up what you were trying to express about yourself? Unlike your sister, I was not a cool rebel as a teenager. And it was also naughty's fashion, which I think is the most hilarious, but probably the dodgiest fashion epoch. It was, there was, you know, juicy couture tracksuits and kind of, very cropped camisoles. I have two images when I think of my teenage years and both are hilariously revolting. One is a pair of scousers from M&S. So a pair of trousers with a mini skirt stitched on top and they were navy and light blue chinoiserie from M&S. And the other outfit I always think of, which was my party outfit when I was 14 or 15, I was 15, was a, um, and I really do hope these things don't come back, a black rah skirt from Topshop with a fake Toby Pimlico string vest. Do you remember Toby Pimlico? It was like, it was a yes. rhyme. So I used to get fake ones from um, Camden from the market there. So it was a fake Toby Pimlico, because they were quite expensive for a teenager. Yeah. Toby Pimlico, uh, not string vest, you know, camisole 
for the black rara skirt, hot pink leg warmers, and multicolored slingbacks from Office. Wow, that is quite a look. It was so hideous. And I do remember my poor mother saying like, oh, are you sure you want to wear that? And of course I was like, yeah, it's really cool though. What do you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it was very of its grim. time. I like how I can picture exactly that time, <laughs> that moment of, of that kind of outfit looking, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> and very, very, very straightened hair. I was a slave to my GHDs and my and my juicy really? tube, my Longcom juicy tube lip gloss. Yeah. Sounds quite sounds quite rebelly to me, the whole straight hair with a bit of a with the Toby t-shirt and the rara. It sounds nah, brilliant. It was, it was <laughs> I was I think I was just one of many teenagers going for this slightly strange specific look. <laughs> Is there a piece of clothing that you remember? from your family, like a member of your family wearing. I have this very clear idea of my father who always wore a vetmont. They've become very trendy actually, but it's a vetmont to travail workman's jacket and he'd always garden in it. Is there a memory that you have of your, a member of your family that's something that's really sort of stayed in your memory of them wearing it? It's very much to do with them. I love those workers jackets. You're right, they are really trendy and even better, available in almost every vintage shop for about a fiver. Um, there's so many of them. Uh, yeah. yeah, it would be of my mum probably in one of her drop-waisted dresses. So my mum shops and shopped exclusively at M&S or a man in the village where we live in Essex would make her a formal frocks. And she's only had about five in... 25 35 years and the one that always I think of when I think of my mum is a string of big glass beads and a drop-waisted basket weave print dress with a big white collar sounds quite Laura Ashley actually yeah yeah it is it's um her her for, her formal wear is definitely quite 80s which I love, yeah, and it's always a drop, drop waist dress. I love that. It sounds very sort of comforting somehow, you know. It is a really comforting image, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the idea of sustainability and fashion? Has it changed the way that you think about the way you buy clothes? Definitely. I don't think, though, that I thought about it as much as I should in, until I stopped working in fashion and maybe had a bit more of a critical distance I really admire you as one of the few people who's very ensconced in the fashion industry but still able to have distance from it distance from shopping and distance from trends because I think when you work in it uh, especially when I had a, a fashion column for a newspaper I I found it too difficult or at least I wasn't aware that you know to have that kind of distance that cognitive distance so I think when I stopped working in fashion I started to feel a little bit more impervious to and unbothered by trends which means you're then less bothered by shopping which means you're shopping less and that you're thinking more about when you're shopping and that when you are shopping um, you're having more of a thought process about why you're buying it and what you're buying and that's not to say that that's the same process for everyone but that was definitely a process that was for me like I've always loved vintage and I've always loved buying secondhand furniture I have a rule that if I see something new I love I have to look everywhere I possibly can to see if it exists in a similar format as a secondhand or an antique or as a vintage piece if I still can't find it then I allow myself to go back and to buy it I had always loved that, but that had been more of a, oh, I can get something great and different if it's vintage. Now it's, a, I can get something great and different 
but also what am I not putting in to the circular economy? What am I taking out that already exists? Just it's like a basic rule to try and get something that already exists rather than to try and put something new in. That's the kind of loose format to my shopping now. That's super interesting. And I think that's a great approach. I think that's a great approach because also it becomes almost like a game. It is a game. It's a like challenge. It's a system. And you know what Anita Pallenberg used to say to me, who was, it made me really think about something she said to me a long time ago, who was, a, she was a 60s sort of star icon and she worked, she was a kind of actress and she was in the, she was with Keith Richards and Brian Jones and she was this kind of incredibly stylish. And she was, we used to go thrifting together all the time. Anyway, what you said made me think that she used to say to me, she would see something that she wanted and then she'd find it in the charity shop and she'd say to me, if I spend more than a hundred pounds on something, just lock me up because it means I've lost my marbles. And in a way, it really makes me think of what you've just said. And another thing I think is really interesting is what you said, and I think it's absolutely true, that the closer you are up to fashion, you know, you can see why people get washed up, not washed up, but kind of carried away with it completely. And I think like what you've done, you know, just that thing of taking a step back and doing something else and thinking about other stuff and putting other stuff out is a brilliant way of, of thinking about the way that one consumes as well. I think, as you say, things get normalised when you're in close proximity. Yes. Uh, so when you're working, um, like I've always loved clothes and style. That hasn't changed since I stopped working as Aura, not currently working as a fashion journalist. It's more just that um, that critical distance for me meant when I didn't know about trends or even micro trends or even micro micro trends because I was writing a weekly column it just allowed me I think um possibly a freedom and a you know like I used to know the new in section of every single website I could tell you the approximate price of every jacket on the high street you know what it would cost you at new look what it would cost you at Topshop, what it would cost you at gap I quite like having that skill um, I found that insight quite interesting but not knowing what's going on weekly is, 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 is lovely for me because it brings back the hobby side of it rather than the work side. Also, I think it's great that when telling a story like that, you can just quote Anita Pallenberg. <laughs> like, that is, that is great. If you can, if you can be um, using the story, not, no, not in a, that's not even um, me taking the piss. That's like me saying, you have earned your vintage stripes. But oh, my darling. Well, well, I know, I know from her. But <laughs> I will say this on the record. I think trends are a total waste of time. I always have and I always will. I, I, to me, you know, I, I totally respect if you're a fashion journalist, that's, that's one's job. But it's, you know, it's trends was always... Um, yeah, it was always like buck against the trend. You know, it'd be like, oh God, leopard print, it's really trendy. And it's, it must be a relief. It must be really nice to know what, to not know what the trends are. But in defense of trends, I think it's easy to buck against trends when you have a conviction in your own sense of style and your sense of autonomy. Trends for women that don't know much about fashion or find it quite scary, trends are that really necessary architecture to the way that they shop. And also trends, you know, they tap into that insecurity. You're, I mean, I, wrote a whole, I actually wrote a whole essay about it in, in my book. It's called Get the Look. This idea that when you're feeling really muddled about what to wear and how to fit in, you will look at what other women are wearing in order to feel kind of like you are doing it right or like you belong. So 
I agree. I love the idea of bucking against trends or kind of forging my own path, but that comes with a certain amount of knowledge and privilege to know what you want that path to be and to know where to get it. I think that's really, really true. And to have had the time to source in other places and it's absolutely a place of privilege. I guess I've just always been, yeah, I've just always felt quite cynical about of that thing of the, the 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 fine line between trends and also a form of kind of people feeling that people have to buy into something mm. but you know i'm i'm ambivalent about that because i've also i know i put that out there too and and i think you're absolutely right i think there if if, if it gives people you know if it's interesting for people and that's what they want to do you've actually said it beautifully so i'm going to just stop there because what you said is is also true there is a place for it which movie is your favorite in terms of clothes style this is such a predictable answer and I'm almost embarrassed to give it, but it would probably be clueless because I just love the energy and the color. And there's a lot of, um, like it was a really good time for fashion, you know, little skirt suits, lots of plaid, um, berets, uh, could leave the knee high socks, not a massive fan of knee high socks on, um, on a, on a 30 something woman I think me doing that might be a little bit creepy but you know even like the sort of high-heeled brogues court shoes I'm so with you I just what's yours god I mean ah I mean probably something quite predictable in there in a really it's very me in that thing of in the terms of the everyday but I love Thurman Louise and all that double denim yeah 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 denim and the roadie and then I love that another one that's a bit like that a sort of precursor to that is Badlands with Sissy Spacek with the height and Martin Sheen with the really high 70s jean and then the Victoriana shirt. What's that film where there's that really iconic image that has definitely been Instagrammed a lot and probably oh. by yours truly in her 20s. She's wearing a pink fuzzy jumper and she's got short blonde um, hair. It's Natasha Kinski in Paris, Texas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it's incredible. Great and, that, and that one too. And another one is that you would... That, so iconic and it's being I've copied it in a fashion shoot and everyone has it's picnic at hanging rock the Peter Weir film of all the girls with blonde hair the prairie in Victoria about to yeah 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 yeah. it's a thin air any current obsession you'd love to find in a thrift store I tell you what I would love to find Mm. um is I buy the only things that I kind of repeat buy at the moment that aren't vintage are Batsheva and Vampire's wife dresses so if there's ever a sale or a sample sale, I buy one of those because since forever I've loved grunge floral dresses yeah. with black chunky boots. And I think Batshiver and Vampire's Wife is just like a slightly more grown up way of doing that. So what I would love to find in a vintage store is a dress with that sort of fit, that yeah. really feminine fit, but in um, broderie anglais or in white cotton I used to buy a lot of white cotton dresses vintage. Now I find that either really expensive, which I resist buying because that's when vintage has been like curated and they've slapped a 300 pound price tag on it, which I'm a bit averse to, or it's all a bit costumey. You know, I love all the high necks and the ruffles and the enormous sleeves, but I'm not, I'm much less high maintenance in my day to day now. So I don't really want bells and whistles. I just want a beautiful fit and a fabric that doesn't show my knickers. So probably like a really nice fitting white dress that doesn't cost a gazillion pounds. That's that what I'm going to look at. Probably get one from Oxfam online, actually. I'll send you the link. 
Oh, do. I'm always looking on. I mean, online is actually my preferred medium for vintage shopping, which uh, yeah. people always find quite surprised because they say, oh, you need to feel the fabrics or you need to. I'm a big online shopper. No, I'd love to know some of your favourite online shops. And if you are uh, vintage shops. Uh, also, what, what closet, if you could raid anybody's closet, who's, whose would it be? Florence Welch. Good choice. Gucci and vintage, yeah. Gucci and vintage, exactly. You know what, you find your dress, that's for sure. I'd find 10 dresses, hopefully, 20. When you had children, I found that when I had children, I really, whatever style mojo I had, I felt like I really lost it. I don't know if I ever really got it back, but did you feel like that when you had children? Did you just feel completely kind of dis disconnected from styling clothes? I think, you, all of your identities are up in the air when you have children. So I sort of felt disconnected and having to reconnect with everything. Yes, I did feel like I lost my style mojo, but in quite a nice way, in a way that for me really solidified my relationship with clothes, which is I want to feel comfortable and I want to wear something interesting that makes me happy. That's all it needs to do. So I lost a mojo and I found a like... A let, you know, I look at some of the stuff I used to wear and there's just so much going on. And that it didn't, it never came from a place of feeling like I had to wear something. It was always from a place of curiosity, but it was just like quite a high octane curiosity. And it makes me feel a bit exhausted looking at it. Now, I just feel like I have a much less high maintenance relationship with clothes. And it's really nice. It's like just a much more contented, comfortable place. And then tell me, who's your style pinup? Oh, I don't really have one specific pinup. There are lots of women that I think look awesome. Zoe Kravitz looks awesome. Adwa Abua. I mean, Alexa Chung always looks good, doesn't she? I'm looking at a picture of Esther Ranson as I say this, and I just, I really want to say Esther Ranson, if only because she gave an interview after she turned 80. Listen to this, I think you might like this. I've ripped it out because I liked it so much. On her 80th birthday, she said she dove out of bed and ran around the garden stark naked, save for a chiffon hat. So let's go with Esther Ranson as well. Yeah, definitely. And now, now you say Esther Ranson, she always looked very stylish in her way. You know, she was very much at the time. I remember her on the show in the 80s, but yeah, she looked great. And tell me, Pandora, um, you know, I feel like in the last sort of even five years, um, the way that women sort of expected to dress. You know, everything's changed with COVID in terms of the office and often what that means now in terms of clothes. But I feel like even in the last five years before that, the way that women were expected to dress has really changed. For example, you know, people don't really wear high heels to work anymore. I mean, what do you think about that change? Do you think it's, I, I feel like it's real progress. I feel like, personally, I feel like it's progress. I feel like women are, are much more freed up to wear what they want to work. What do you think? It does feel crazy to me to think that 10 years ago, I would go to work wearing flat shoes and then take a pair of heels in my bag. Like that was quite, you'd, you'd see that on the that commute a lot. Women in a suit with a pair of like quite dorky, colorful trainers and their sort of flesh colored tights. And then they'd have their court shoes in their bag. And my very first job when I was, when I was 18 was as a receptionist in a recruitment agency. And I wasn't allowed to wear trousers. I had to wear a skirt suit. I went and bought one gray skirt suit from M&S. <laughs> and um, I would wear it with court shoes with a, with a cushioned insert also from M&S. You can yeah. see that when it comes to mine and my mother's shopping habits, that, that 
the apple did not fall far from the tree. Um, and you're right now, because I then went into journalism and, and, and fashion for a bit, like obviously there weren't really any rules at all. I do remember working at the Sunday Times style and going to see the editor of the Sunday Times paper about something. And I was wearing a Bella Freud jumper, a polo neck that said sex across the front. Yeah. And when I got back, my editor was like, I mean, you could have thought a little bit about that. So I had like tremendous freedom. I think yes. it's great that women, it hasn't really affected me except for that job in recruitment when I was young. young. I think it's great that women do have more flexibility. My only worry is that for every kind of gain, there is also a loss. So where a woman might have gained the ability to, you know, wear a kitschy dress with flat trainers to a meeting, is there then, I, which I think there is, then a pressure, like a, a suit was like a school uniform. So, you know, women did have to wear lots of things they probably didn't love to work, but it did remove one kind of layer of anxiety from the equation the more erosion there is of sort of uniform, corporate uniform, there is more space to feel like you're getting it wrong. So I think there might be like a new pressure that's layered on to that freedom. Like everything comes with its own catch. Trousers and flats you would still see now in the city, but I still reckon there's an expectation. I think that because we work in creative industries in the media, we possibly have a slightly distorted idea of how like free women are sartorially i think in the city in the same way that there's probably still much more uh misogyny than there is in the media where we're able to maybe talk about it a little bit more i reckon that there's also women who are held to a slightly esoteric idea of what they have to wear and how they have to talk and the kind of jargon that they have to join in with i i think in some spaces it's probably still a little bit behind but definitely across the grid it's better than it was 10 years ago yeah. Have you got any thrift tips? Thrift shopping is very annoying for some people because as we know, it's not very inclusive with sizing, like vintage is often tiny. So um, I would say, make sure that you're looking at places that are kind of a bit more reflective of women's sizes and certainly women's sizes. So there's a brilliant woman called Lauren Von Baer uh, which is spelled B-E-H-R and she's on Instagram and she can do like bespoke scouting for you but also she finds vintage in you know sizes 12 to 18 or sizes that basically are often they're not even big sizes you know the average size of a woman in Britain is a size 16 but they are sizes that are very often neglected by vintage shopping so I would say um, look uh kind of broaden your scope of where you're looking to avoid frustration. Second thing I would say is be really specific with your searches. So if you're going into like eBay and Etsy and um, you can go to specific secondhand vintage stores like The Real Real and Vestiaire um, and First Dibs, which is very expensive. I actually really love Beyond Retro. That's really good price. Mm -hmm. But when you're going to those stores, those are like targeted. They're looking for stuff that's kind of trendy. Like I got an amazing vintage Altazara dress from the Real Real, which is velvet uh, with a slit up the side and a huge pie crust collar. Wow. So those those websites, but it was like 200 quid. So those websites are more expensive yes. because they're tailored slightly towards the trends. But if you're going onto eBay and Etsy, which are amazing, but total minefields, and this goes for furniture and clothes, you've got to be really specific with your search terms. So don't just put in like um, white shirt 
put in white puff sleeve Peter Pan collar cotton shirt. And when you look for really specific things, you then get a much more curated crop. And the other thing, this is often, I don't find my best thing from that initial search. What I might find is something lovely will come up. It's not my size or something about it's not quite right. I then go into that person's store and that's when often you find a kind of quite a like-minded selection of stuff. Once you find a store you like, screenshot it or write it down. And now, you know, I'm building up on Etsy lots of sellers that haven't got anything that I like at the moment, but I know look at things with the kind of eye that I will appreciate. Um, can I tell you two of my tips? Because yes. this be this week. I mean, they're really, they're really unpractical. I love how practical yours are. Mine are kind of more, I don't want to say philosophical, but they're more kind of, how you feel? But basically, <laughs> good. Um, but, bas but my main tip would always be, and actually, um, just to do another thrifting name drop, it was Chloe Sevigny who actually said it to me. And she said to me, when I go thrift store, when I go thrift shopping, go in with a purpose. Go in yes. to try and find something. And that's always really helped me because although I almost certainly won't find the brown cashmere v-neck sweater I'm looking for, chances are I'm wired up to it all in my mind. And it is like that. You go into a charity shop and it's like, like a little electric, like up there, down there, in there, in there. Oh, no, there's nothing. Oh, yeah, that's good. But, you know, I have, it's like that kind of on button. You know, you decide you want something. Okay, so I'm going to find something else because I'm switched on. That's one thing. The other thing is um, just you have to just go. I'm talking about more going to charity shops, actually. I'm more of a kind of, I think I still am into that. I like the rummage. So I'm, yours is brilliant because you're talking about more online and I'm talking about actually if you're walking down the high street going to a charity shop. And I would, the other one I would say is that thing that there's, you just can't force it. You know, if you go to a charity shop, you're not in the mood, you're going to hate it. It's going to smell bad. I hate old clothes. You have to be in the mood. You have to be in the right. Um, it can't be a, a to-do thing. It has to be a thing of pleasure. Pandora, tell me about your book, which is just out. I'm so excited. Tell me about it. Yes, I can. They are essays on modern life. It's called How Do We Know We're Doing It Right? And it's all about the trivialities and myths and anxieties of modern life, like the little things and the big things, those daily irritants like WhatsApp groups and what to watch on Netflix with kind of very large historic problems that feel particularly pressing at the moment ways to navigate womanhood are becoming not bigger but narrower and I wanted to really look at those conflicting pressures that I think that women might be feeling today and the book doesn't offer any answers but hopefully it encourages us to ask questions about the way we live in our lives. Because the other thing apart from choices is also you know judgment is the other thing that we sat in this society at the moment you know huge judgment and I think the topics we're talking about so interesting and absolutely you know just so um current those feelings just to sort of set about doing that is is and also you're absolutely right you know I mean I don't know what you've written but just in a really broad sense you know the amount of choice it's somehow belittling it's it's just so consuming well, it doesn't, it, does, it begins to not feel like a choice because there are so many yes. people start to tread familiar ground because it's safe. 
So it actually becomes completely, becomes counterproductive all that choice because the options just narrow because it's too confusing. It's been so fascinating. I literally want to call you after and find out more about your book. I can't wait to read it. I'm going to post about it. And Pandora, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Bay. It's been so much fun to um, talk to you. I, honestly, I love talking about um, secondhand shopping. Please share your tips with me. Oh my God, I will. And also your tips are absolutely brilliant. I, I'm going to gush now, so we better go. Thank you. Thank you.